I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, Please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. I am CEO Chuck Sexton. Before we get to our guest today, I wanted to give all of you out there a heads up. We are about to launch a new executive search uh, for Brazos Valley EDC in Texas. This is going to be a great opportunity for anyone out there who is uh, aggressive, wants to work with a, a great community uh, and lead the economic development efforts for them. Uh, you can reach out to me, Chuck at nextmovegroup.com, or of course, Brittany McCoy, uh, who is our recruiter for all of our executive search uh, openings uh, if you want more information. We'll have a job profile out, should be next week, uh, but I want to go ahead and and make sure you all know because we are kicking this off today. So uh, I am joined on the podcast today by Alyssa Sklar from GIS Planning. Those of you out there who listen to our podcast probably have heard of GIS Planning, but you may not know everything that they do. So we thought it would be great to have them on board with us uh, today on the podcast. And uh, Alyssa is Vice President of Marketing. I appreciate you joining me uh, today on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, you know, we, we try to make sure we provide a diverse uh, amount of guests on the podcast, not just things that, not just economic developers like, you know, last podcast with uh, Eric Voiles from Texarkana, but we want to make sure that folks out there understand what resources are at their fingertips. And so if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about your time at GIS planning and uh, what exactly you all try to focus on for economic development. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm VP of marketing here at GIS Planning, and I've been here for the last 10 years. And part of my job, in addition to talking about our suite of software products, is also to work individually with our clients for place marketing. And my background, actually, I'm a university professor before I came over to, uh, to the private sector. Part of the job is to take things that seem complex and sophisticated and make them really accessible to people. So my goal with our clients is to help them understand how to use these incredibly powerful software tools to do what they need to do, which is drive quality traffic to their website, show them commercial sites and buildings, help them search tens of thousands of data points, 
use that for their marketing, presentation, social media, ease newsletter, uh, email campaigns, all those different kinds of things. Now, GIS planning, as you uh, alluded to, is a resource that a lot of people know. We've been doing this. We're celebrating our 25th anniversary, actually. We're 1998, the same year Google was launched, is uh, is when we launched. Um, and the idea was to take GIS data and make it accessible to non-GIS folks so that anybody could go online and visualize data instead of having to go to expensive consultants and saying, hey, can you give me a map showing, you know, this demographic variable or how, you know, energy works and infrastructure around this particular property. And that's where Zoom Prospector was launched. That's probably the product most people know. 72% of Americans live in territory that is serviced by our technology. We you know, work with uh, definitely the majority of, uh, of communities across the US, including 30 statewide EDOs, but also in Canada and Europe and uh, increasingly around the world, we have clients using those, tour those tools as well. I, I think that's great. You know, I, of course I see Zoom Prospector a lot uh, as a site selector and um, you're correct in the fact that um, it's really helpful to have GIS data uh, available. So, and, and not just from a site selection standpoint. So, you know, everybody knows we do a lot with like economic development consulting. And, you know, when we're kicking off, say, a, um, a site feasibility or site identification analysis for a community. And, you know, we always go in person to do those things. But at the same time, it's really uh, helpful for us if that community has uh, GIS available online for us to utilize as we're uh, investigating multiple sites for them to figure out where they should make their investments so that they can attract more jobs. And so I think communities right. who are who are utilizing the technology appropriately are sort of uh, kind of far ahead from a, a increasing their opportunity standpoint. Um, and you all are, you're in Canada. Alyssa, I'm in Montreal, that's right. Which, I'm the which, only Canadian, the Canadian employee of GIS planning. Everyone else is uh, in the U.S., well, what's what's kind of fun about that is the U.S. and Canada has been working a lot together here lately to yes. uh, shoot down UFOs. Sorry, <laughs> that's right. just top of mind for me right now. Isn't it crazy that that's going on? It is incredibly bizarre. I keep looking up just in case, you know. You, you know. haven't seen any yet, though. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it was a Canada goose, but uh, I reported it anyway. Yeah, hopefully we don't have any more <laughs> of those incidents going on. You've got UFOs everywhere and uh, satellites and uh, balloons and then green lasers over Hawaii. It's right. a time. Um, I, you know, they, they said that the lasers over Hawaii were for topography. Maybe you all can uh, mm. implement that with GIS planning and start really yeah. good topo. We'll map. bring it up at the next <laughs> staff meeting. You never know. Well, what, what's your all's big focus right now? Speaking of new technology and adding to what GIS planning is doing, I know you all are always trying to innovate. What What is something new that you all have going on right now? So we get our best ideas from our clients. And uh, over the course of the pandemic, we heard more and more about the need for things built into the tool that you know people don't want to get on a plane or on a car so they could do as much of the research ahead of time before they actually go in person. So the ability to add virtual tours, we added 360 virtual tour flyovers for every single property in Zoom Prospector automatically using Google Earth. We also added the availability, the possibility of doing custom tours. So if you have like a drone video, immersive walkthrough, Matterport, any other kind of tour media, easy to add, no cost. Um, and then the, at the same time, we have this virtual tour building software that we just launched the redesign for. It's called Zoom Tour. And this is separate for Zoom, from Zoom Prospector. You don't have to have one or the other, but it is literally 
putting virtual tour building in the hands of anyone. You don't need any training. You don't need to be a graphic designer. There's a wizard in the back end. It walks you through it. It's like an interactive hop on, hop off bus. You ever go on a hop on, hop off bus tour? Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> That's what it is. It's kind in of Paris. like that. <laughs> so, exactly. Without, you know, without the corny jokes, I guess. And people can put their own copy in. They could put uh, images, video. There's Google Street View. You can add your drone video. Hyperlinks. If you have GIS planning tools, you can add links to the data. And it lets people kind of explore regions. And the idea with Zoom tour is that you can create as many different tours as you want. So you could have a tour of a business park and show all of the available properties within the business park. You could focus on how it's serviced, on its capacity, nearby infrastructure, companies that are currently there. We have a client in Yuma, Arizona that has do, done a tour of their food processing industry sector. So each stop on the tour is a different company in the region with links to their website and all kinds of information that you can see what that industry sector looks like. We have, you know, conventional sites and buildings tours where people want to show their available or featured properties. We have a client in British Columbia that is tries to attract film and video production. It's a big thing in their area. Um, so they create tours showing off, let's say, all the restaurants and bars in town where you could do film. Mm. They have another one with a walk down Main Street showing, they do a lot of Hallmark movies over there so showing all the places with links to the movies so you can see um you could see what's been shot there and how to get those resources so tourism uh parks and recreation you know, really your imagination is is the limit so that's something we really heard from clients is the capacity for anyone to quickly build those kinds of things and then if you want you could put it in zoo prospector as a custom tour put it on i your think website. that's great you know, yeah. I, I really started thinking, and of course, this was prior to joining Next Move Group when I was still on the regional level for economic development. Virtual tours was something that, you know, I wanted to invest in and did uh, right as, you know, the pandemic was sort of hitting um, the, the country. And it was helpful, certainly helpful, but you've got to continue to innovate uh, with new technologies. And I think that's really awesome. I also find it interesting that the Hallmark movies are filmed in British Columbia. <laughs> Well, you'd be surprised how many Canadian destinations are stand in for U.S. sites. Oh, yeah. Like one Montreal. of my favorites. One of my favorites of all time is just outside of Vancouver, and that's the television show Smallville. Uh, oh, right. That was yeah. filmed right outside of Vancouver in the uh, Kent Farm. And actually, I visited oh. that farm on my way out of Canada uh, a few years ago because I'm a big nerd when it comes okay. to Superman. <laughs> So, well, then, did you know that X Files was also filmed in Vancouver? No, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, maybe that dates me, but like I was a huge fan, and that was definitely filmed up there. Alberta is a lot of westerns been shot in Alberta. Yeah, um, I was I was meeting with a company when I was up there in Vancouver, manufacturing facility, uh, to talk about them putting a, a facility in the United States, and uh, the gentleman that owned it. Uh, we were sitting in his office, and he said, "Hey, by the way, you know, uh, if you're fans of uh, comics and stuff." Green Arrow, the TV show Green Arrow, filmed here at our plant, and he had pictures of him and uh, Stephen and Mel, the star of the, the show, and everything. I was like, "Wow, that's kind of crazy," but um, it's just it all that kind of stuff interests me uh, a lot. So, mm -hmm. but obviously not as interesting as economic development. Um, <laughs> no, of course one, not. One of your partners that you all work with a lot, um, Research FDI, is one that you work with quite a bit, um, and then Golden Shovel uh, from the standpoint, and and they're a company that does a lot of innovative things. And, you know, I, I kind of want to make a statement here more than anything. Um, 
You know, when it comes to information, having information at your fingertips on your website, you all obviously provide a lot of great tools for that. Uh, but there's something that I've noticed out there. And there's a lot, even if there's sometimes, it, you know, the website might have some great tools for a site selector to to view properties and do virtual tours and, and gather information and data. But if I need to pick up the phone and call the economic developer, I am really surprised at how many economic development websites the economic developer is listed on there, but there's not a direct phone number for them. Oh, that drives me crazy. Sometimes there's their email isn't even on there. It's just info ads. A huge pet peeve. I always tell them it shouldn't be a scavenger hunt. Yeah. Contact us forms are like one thing, but I want to have a name, ideally a face, an actual direct email, a telephone number. In fact, one of the things that we've done, and we encourage our clients to do this, they don't always choose to, but every property in Zoom Prospector has the capacity for a contact, immediate, a little contact card right there, email, phone number, name, and you can actually click it and it sends them an email right there saying, I'm interested in this property, yeah. tell me what. I, I, I don't understand it. And I really love what you just said, scavenger hunt, because that's exactly what it feels like sometimes. And, yeah. and you know, I look at I'm looking at stuff all day, every day. Uh, it seems like right now, you know, we've we've got three site selection clients that are in really final stages right now. But right. then, you know, we have others that are in various stages. I've got a meeting tonight with a really large company to talk to them about utilizing our services for um for site selection. And so as we're doing this and, you know, depending on the size of the project and, you know, hopefully economic developers understand this, you know, we might not do site visits until we're down to two or three sites, depending on the, the size of the company. And so having this data at our fingertips is really, really important and being able to contact you about it. Now I will say That's it. recently I've had some really great experiences uh, for with some site visits. I was in South Carolina uh, this week, actually, on a site visit. And you were talking about drone technology, utilizing drones uh, in conjunction with what GIS planning does. And I have to say, this is a good good example of a best practice, I think, for site visits. Um, and I don't want to say the community. Uh, I don't want to give that up yet because they're still in the running for this project. Right. So, um, But the economic developer uh, on the local level did a fantastic job. And, of course, the state did a fantastic job as well. South Carolina does a really good job. Um, but when we were getting ready to go and look at the site after the presentations were done, we had an option. We could all hop into some side-by-sides and drive the site, or because it's really wet, there's been a lot of rain. They also had right out front their emergency services with this great drone that was ready to go out, fly the site. We could tell them exactly nice. what we wanted to see. And nice. they had a huge screen for us, myself and my client to watch the drone fly over, we could tell them where to go and they could record it and everything so and send cool. us uh, that video. So uh, I think having options like that on a site visit is uh, unique. I, you know, that doesn't happen very often. And, you know, they're thinking outside the box uh, with that. Uh, and I actually talked to the state uh, project manager on it. And I said, this is awesome. I love it. And that was something that was born out of COVID. You know, um, how do we view these sites without piling into an SUV or every, or into side-by-sides or whatever? And they that was sort of a product of necessity uh, that I think now just really enhances site visits. Well, just I like totally those can agree. Your, yeah, it can yeah. enhance the, the websites. So It enhances the website. It enhances your experience as a site selector. I mean, to be fair, this is kind of a sales process, right? So if they make things easy and they impress you, tells you a little bit. I mean, the state of South Carolina is one of our clients, and I know they're just an absolute pleasure to work with. 
But you want to know that, right? Like you want to know your client is going to have good aftercare and and that all that stuff up front helps inform that process. So we know shooting drone video is not going to be possible for every single property. That was one of the reasons we built in the 360 flyover for Google Earth. You'd see the infrastructure, you see what's around there. The other thing that we did, actually, it's interesting that you're saying that, that it was born out of the pandemic, is the other thing we heard from our clients is the ability to build DIY 3D renderings immediately. Like anyone can do that in our mm. in our uh, property tool now in Zoom Prospector. You don't need to outsource this. I mean, if you want like the really fancy one with everything to scale, yes. But when you want to start to picture your investment, you're looking at a site and you're thinking, can I fit this facility there? You can put that in there directly in Zoom Prospector. You hmm. can draw multiple buildings. We even have design presets. If you want to see that it looks like a green building or an office building or brick, you can use your colors. And then you could save it and you could share that. You could put it in a proposal. You could put it in a slide yeah. deck uh, just to help people imagine themselves in that space. And since we launched that tool, we've had almost a thousand of those DIY 3D renderings built by folks going in there. That's, That's great. Are, do you have sort of pre-built um, square foot, depending on what square footage you're looking for, or is it the ability for uh, the user to actually draw it kind of like a Google SketchUp on Google? Exactly. Earth? It's super easy. You just use your mouse and you draw it. So it can be a square, but it can be like a different shape. If you want, you can adjust height. You can do all kinds of fun things with it. And it's super, it's like literally click. There's like a little wizard that says, do you want to do this? And then you could save it, you could share it with a link. And the interesting thing actually is the economic developer. The only people who who can see this is the person who drew it. So if a prospect, let's say he's a site selector, you come in there and you've drawn it, nobody else can see what you've drawn, you know, because you wanna be able to have control over that, but you can save it and continue to have access to that without having to log in and create another password that you're gonna forget. It's all there for you and you can share it with a link. So. Just yeah. making things useful, I think helps. I, I can see that being useful on the sort of on, on the initial look at sites and, right. you know, but eventually, you know, we're going to take engineered CAD drawings and, and oh, make plants work. And Once you get to that work. stage, but absolutely. Sort of before that, I can see that being really, really useful. And it's funny that you all, you all have that tool now. Um, back when I was just a project manager, first starting out in economic development and trying to prove my worth. And, you know, thinking outside the box, we had a project from uh, Germany. It was a crankshaft manufacturer. Uh, it was 300 jobs, CNC, tight tolerances, obviously, from a quality standpoint. And we really wanted to put the community's best foot forward. And my boss at the time told, which is the same boss I have now that owns this company, Chad Chancellor. Yeah. He was right. like, look, let's, let's really try to get this. This is a great project. And so... Uh, we made a finalist cut and it was really because I took the time. I stayed up all night doing it. I taught myself how to use Google SketchUp, geolocate uh, onto Google Earth uh, facilities. And I built a facility that was the square footage that the company needed. Um, I found out who they were, put their logo on the front of it and created a flyover virtual video of the facility on our site uh, for the site visit. And this was 12 years ago, 12, 13 Ow. Uh, that I did that. And uh, then, of course, it was, hey, let's do that for every project. Oh, time. yeah. <laughs> well, now know. what oh, took you all that. night will take you five minutes now. Right. To do. That's the th and, and that's what I wanted to get to with it, because that took me forever to do it. And now you can just do it like that. It's you could do it like that. And we even created the capacity for you then to circle like the views you see from the top, from the left, yeah. from the right, from the road. 
that's it. We just want to make things as easy as possible because part of this is just, you know, getting onto that short, onto the long list, then getting onto the short list. And yes, there will be a point where those CAD drawings are necessary, but you're not going to do that for every site, right? Yeah. So we want to make it accessible. Boyer Powertrain was the name of that company, I believe. And they ended yeah. up going to Mississippi. Yeah, we we lost out. We were in the top three, but uh yeah, I think that's awesome that that the technology has advanced so far now that you know anybody can do it. You don't have to spend twelve hours trying to work out something the night before a site visit. So that is really the goal. You know, part of this is also like sharing things with a link. Our online proposal generator, you could share with a link. So yes, people want PDF. Sometimes they want a printed copy. But let's say you send out a response to an RFI, and then this great new property comes available. On the online proposal generator in Zoom Prospector, you can just add that property and let them know we've just added something. So on the fly, it's like Google Docs, like it's instantly updated and you can just show that to them. So they always know they're looking at the most up-to-date inventory. Those are the kinds of things in terms of usability and real world accessibility that people ask for. And we'll be right back. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other buildings and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo, and see if this can help your community have more success. Have, have you all started looking at ChatGPT and how that might impact oh what you do? <laughs> I I actually did a presentation in Ontario at EDCO, their conference last week. And I started off the presentation. I went to chat GPT and I wrote, I was talking about investment readiness, like making sure your community is investment ready. And I asked chat GPT to write a presentation for me on making sure your community is investment ready. And it's so funny because first it's slide one, introduce yourself. Like it's really very, it's quite amazing. Wow. But it was so, because it's a language-based algorithm, it's like pretty generic. Like part of my point was like, you know your own community, you know what you've got. Chat GPT, you don't stare at the blank cursor. It enhances productivity maybe, but it was so general and generic. Yeah, It was quite, quite amusing. But I don't know if you saw, I posted yesterday on LinkedIn. We I asked Chat GPT to write a Valentine's Day poem for economic developers. And it's so I didn't see that. Fun. I need to look it up. <laughs> oh, you got to look it up on the GIS planning LinkedIn page. It calls economic developers the Cupid of commerce and trade. I mean, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's so good, but it's so bad. All right. I'm going to look that up. And for those of you who don't know what chat GPT is, uh, if you haven't heard about it yet, I'm, you're probably busy working projects. Everybody is right now. <laughs> but chat GPT is an, essentially an AI uh, software 
that you can access and it can do some amazing things. It's scaring a lot of people uh, from what its capabilities are, but um, I haven't used it for anything yet, but I'll, I'll one of these days when I have a, a free minute, I might try to, to play around with it a little bit. So oh, go my free time right now is being taken up with, with other things. So yeah, I oh, totally, I mean, it's really, it's a rabbit hole you could go down, but it is really quite fascinating. I saw someone ask them to create uh, there's a not chat to be cheap, but a similar AI model to create an image of people at a party. And when you first look at it, it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like I could actually know these people, but then you look closely and they have too many fingers and too many teeth. <laughs> like, you know, something is off. And then you look at it. That's really creepy. It's like, <laughs> really creepy, but amusing uh, and a little scary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you, of course, you know, there's the, um, the uh, the ability to copy voices and and essentially mm -hmm. do you know you I, I, I if I gave it enough recording of our podcast for example it yeah. could create a podcast on its own and it would sound like me talking which is nuts yeah. uh, I never yeah. want to do that but what you said earlier about when you utilized it for uh, to just see kind of what it would do with that presentation it was very generic. And yeah. so, you know, I, I want to discourage people from trying to utilize something like that, because at the end of the day, and, and this is, you know, a, a sort of something I've used in the past before, information and data is sort of the black and white of your community. And it's the economic developer's job to add the color. So how do you paint that picture of your community to really, truly market and sell it? And don't rely on everything that's just at your fingertips. You also have to have some customization availability to that. And from what I understand, your all's platform allows the customization for an economic developer so that it's not just black and white data, right? Well, that's exactly it. You know, they can bring their local data. We don't charge any extra for that. We have one community up in Lansing, Michigan, added an extra layer of success stories to their map and Zoom Prospector. And I thought that was so smart because you can click on that on the map and see developments that have gone up, the ways they've transformed the community. Um, another client put in a layer of major projects that are currently going on in the city. I thought that was clever. Uh, we had a client in Sacramento added co-working spaces, like super relevant right now. Mm -hmm. um, this They actually added this before COVID. But I think like that's just absolutely um, so critical. So it's about telling the story of your community. And that's how I work with the clients as they launch and afterwards is data is not, it's it's also content. You yeah. can use this. Like, did you know how much people in, you know, uh, the state of Pennsylvania spent on women's clothing last year? Like that's a great LinkedIn post. You could go on there and map out on consumer expenditures. Did we also have a business there that maps every business and industry in a community? And it's a live poll. So mm. we're going to data Axel every day it's updated because businesses open and close all the time. So telling the story of an industry sector, like map out manufacturing or biotech, that's part of the story of your region. Um, and a lot of our clients are starting to get the data is also content. So being able to link to parts of the tool and not just see it as a site selector is part of what makes it so interesting and so powerful. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I, I mentioned this on the news. I was recording the newscast last night. So, you know, that'll come out Friday. This this is a Thursday. If you're listening to this when it, when it hits uh, your Apple podcast or Spotify, this is Thursday for the podcast. But I was I was recording my segment last night and I was talking about, 
you know, the, the really the critical things right now in site selection. Um, one is site preparation. So important. Um, had a, another good visit this week in, in another state uh, and um, they had a build ready pad site, which is phenomenal. Client loves seeing that. I love seeing that as a site selector. It's investment from the community. That shows a lot. And it doesn't just show a ready site. It shows the community is really forward thinking and really putting money uh, where their mouth is, essentially. The other is labor. And so when we talk about labor and labor data, uh, of course, when we're doing, say, a workforce study or a labor advantage analysis, one of those two things, um, we use very similar uh, data resources. I mean, all the data comes from the same conglomerates. It's how you pull it together, you know, whether it's jobs, exactly. but it's how you understand and assess that data. And what do you add to it uh, to help, again, paint that picture and, and really, truly show what your community has to offer. And, you know, say, for example, we do a labor advantage analysis as a company. We interview HR managers throughout the uh, you know community that we're doing it for, and we get data on where people are driving from. Now, those data sources are going to tell you some information about a labor shed and what radius to look at. But in reality, you really need real, real true life data from, you know, the companies themselves to show you where people are actually coming from to work. And so, you know, we act, we go in and we determine how uh, if you're paying $15 an hour, your labor shed is this mm -hmm. small. But if you're paying $20 an hour, that labor shed grows and so right. it's, it's really determining based on wages what your labor shed truly is because it gets larger obviously the higher the wages go and for every community that's a little bit different and being able to add that data in and not just have that boilerplate information i think is important especially right now as competitive it's as so everything good. is from a workforce standpoint and I think you need to be able to visualize it. Like our wage report is a really important part of the reporting. You could look at it with the properties, without the properties, around the property. Um, but you want to be able to see with the color block maps how that is dispersed across the geography. What does it look like? We have a talent pool report. So you can see like top programs and degrees conferred and study areas of study. You can go up to 200 miles around, even if that's outside the community's borders, because People cross community lines and the state lines and county lines all the time. We actually just recently added um, trade and technical school data because that was something we heard, especially from our clients in the South. So you could see, you know, machining programs and, you know, medical assistants and you know, radio, like radiation assistants and radiographers, all those different kinds of things that are now you can trace that because where are you drawing from? Where is that talent pool actually coming from? And then be able to visualize it, I think is so critical. Because to be fair, Chuck, I would like to think that we live in a world where everyone's using site selectors, but not all businesses do, right? Like a shoe store wants to open another shoe store and they're looking for a community. We also need to make this data accessible to people who aren't used to using GIS. Like really anyone could go in and where's your next store? Where's your next beauty salon? Where's your next restaurant going to open? Sometimes they have to do that on their own. So we have folks like you who really understand the ins and outs of this, but making the technology really intuitive and really visual was a big part of what we wanted to do. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, are you all going to be showing off some of your technology at any upcoming conferences? We are. Yes, we are going to be. Let me see. I am speaking in, uh, in Canada in the, in the next couple of months. I'll be up at Economic Development Alberta, Economic Development BC. Um, I know we are going to be in Florida at FEDC in Orlando. I'll be there with uh, Stevie. 
uh, Stevie Chavez that many people know, and Jeff Sunnison, who all our clients know really well because he's our amazing client services director. So everyone deals with him. Um, and then we do all the big ones, you know, it's not necessarily coming up right away, but we'll be a CalEd, we'll be a TDC. We really did like to, we like the regional ones in particular to get out there, but uh, right. that is our goal. SEDC, of course. And yeah. well, I know, uh, I, I was wondering if you all were going to be at North Carolina uh, Spring Conference, North Carolina Economic Development Association. I think so. Yes, I believe Stevie's actually going to be there. Yes. Good. But Chad will be there as well. Chad's speaking at that one. Um, I'll be okay. on the road myself that that week but um and then uh, i'll be at meet the consultants for sedc coming up uh, nice. in may so we always try to figure out where you know some of the folks we work with are going to be at and also make sure you have a chance to to tell people hey if you're going to be at the conference you know you can sit down with us while we're there have a meeting and uh, you know i highly suggest folks that are going to be at conferences where gis planning is sit down with uh with Alyssa, with stevie whoever is going to be there. Yes, uh, yeah. Most people know Stevie at this point, I think, but yeah, people know Russ definitely <laughs> for sure. That's true. So we'll look before yeah, we wrap actually, up. Oh. Always happy to do that. So if anyone wants to look it over, we can do it online and we can do it in person. Yeah. Well, look, before we wrap up, is there anything you wanted to talk to me about in particular today? Uh, let's see. I guess what I, I'd love to know as a site selector, when you come to an EDO, when you've got a, a company looking for a location, just tell me the first couple steps. You don't have, you know, they say maybe somewhere in the Southeast, we know we're going somewhere. I'll pick one of our client states, let's say Georgia, perhaps. What is the first steps that you're going to do as you start to build that long list? So really the first step in, in the whole process of site selection is doing a, a must and wants analysis for the client. It's okay. really, truly drilling down and understanding, okay, everything about their particular project, what their goals are as a company, what they're trying to achieve, uh, getting all the specific data on you know where their investments are going to land. But it's also back to what risks do they see in opening this new facility and how do we want to make sure we avoid those? Where are their um, um, supplies coming from? What kind of suppliers are they utilizing? Uh, where are their Where's their client base at? And then, uh, you know, they usually have a pretty good idea of what their geography looks like. But, you know, depending on what their you know, raw materials and their uh, clients look like that could shift. So, you know, for some, it's a very specific area that might be uh, included Georgia, North and South Carolina, Tennessee, that, you know, it could be as small as that. But then, you know, we have a client right now where we looked everywhere from Arizona, Texas, Oklahoma, all the way through uh, to, you know, Kentucky and Tennessee, Ohio, North and South Carolina, Georgia, hmm. we looked all over uh, for them because, you know, depending on, you know, what ended up making the most sense once we got on the ground, looked at the sites, you know, they could make the facility work in the Southeast or they could make that facility work really well to the West because they're growing in both locations. And so, you know, they're not going to just do one production facility. They've got plans for two more as well as we move into the future with them. So, um, but as, as we then develop the RFI based off the musts and wants, uh, essentially the analysis. So, okay. um, and depending on, again, the amount, the amount of the, the size of the geography, you know, we may just do one RFI with everything in it. If it's a small geography, if it's a large geography, we're going to split that up into two. We're going to do a, 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 a first RFI that's really focused on, you know, the site and the location. Uh, and then we're going to weed out those that really don't meet the site criteria. And then we're going to come in with a second RFI that's going to get really detailed 
into more of you know workforce, those things that are going to be really differentiators between communities once you get beyond site and utilities. So, uh, and you know, we send those out to the state. First and foremost, we send those to the State Department of Commerce or Economic Development Cabinet or whatever the state calls it, uh, depending on the state. Uh, okay. Now, if if I know of a community uh, and you know have a relationship with an economic developer or we have a client uh, and I know that they have a site and a good labor force that's going to meet my client's needs, I am going to make sure they are aware that we have sent that project to the state and I'm going to con contact them directly and let them know that. Uh, I do okay. that. Typically with every project, I'll have several that I'll say, okay, I've sent this to your state. If for some reason they don't send it to you, here's the RFI mm. and notify them that you've received it directly from me and see okay. how they wish to handle it. Do they want you to send it back to them or directly back to me? And sometimes states will say, you can send it straight to, to Chuck, or they'll say, let's put it as a part of our overall package. So right. it just depends. Uh, and, you know, and then of course, you know, we've got we've got scoring to do and, and analysis to do on each location. Uh, then we go and visit the locations. We call it down to finalist sites. Uh, you know, for example, right now um, I'm doing analysis, comparative analysis between states and locations uh, on incentives because we've gotten past all that piece. We're down to five. And so I'm going to do that comparison. Okay. Then I'll do operating cost pro formas. Then I'll do risk analysis on each one. And, you know, we've got to cover all our bases for the client. Make sure there's no surprises. And really, at the end of the day, when on the site selection side, you want to reduce risk as much as possible. How do we reduce risk for the company? And part of risk is cost. How do we reduce startup costs and long-term operating costs for a company? That That's what, you know, it helps you win at the beginning, gets you down to those finalist pieces. And then there's certain things, you know, there could be random things that makes a, a location. <laughs> I've seen it be very structured, but then I've seen something random like, oh, uh, yeah, my family owns horses and I have a horse farm. So I really want to, I really, I'm going to choose Kentucky over, you know, right. Indiana or whatever, because I, I want to be able to visit there. So it sometimes, so, sometimes that happens. So interesting. Yeah. You know, I tell our clients all the time, everybody's got warehouses and retail facilities and options for you. It's not just about that, it, the property. It's all, it's the community match. It's the matchmaking part of it. I'll tell you right now, your communities who have figured out how to ensure labor supply to mm. new companies, they're gonna they're gonna win more often than those who haven't figured it out. And and when I say that, I mean short term and long term pipeline. Yeah, are you addressing both of those things? And well, workforce attraction is huge for sure. Recruit, screen, train. Right. How are you? Retain your labor participation rate. Is your labor participation rate five points below the national average, even though you're showing only a two percent unemployment rate? Okay, right. how are you getting those discouraged workers back into the workforce? Do you have a program around that? I had a site visit two weeks ago in a community who specifically addressed that and talked about how they're getting adults who may be discouraged from the workforce and are part of that percentage that should be working but aren't and how they're getting those people back into the workplace. You know, shout out to Amy Madison at Pflugerville in Texas, because I know she was telling me about this retraining and reskilling program that they got very active with very early on in the pandemic to make sure that exactly that people aren't working better work let's reskill them what do we need right now in this community what are companies looking for yep. and i just thought that was so proactive and very innovative and really very on brand for them yeah i agree and and you know communities who are doing things like that who have apprenticeship programs 
who have a really strong technical college, technical program, mm -hmm. also strong university presence. Doesn't have mean the university has to be in your town. They can be two towns over, but if you have a relationship with them and they are really keyed in to what industry needs, especially from, an, say, an engineering standpoint, because we're talking about manufacturing right now, you know, and it's not just manufacturing, but engineers are needed across all sectors exactly. at this point. Then you look at, you know, the EV market, you need mechanical mm -hmm. engineers, electrical engineers, software engineers That's in huge. those facilities. It's all, it's all so important. And so, you know, the People. communities who are doing good preparation uh, right now and investing money into sites and really focusing on how to pull together their workforce story are going to have a, a good opportunity to land new jobs as we continue forward in this, in this economy. Can I ask you one more question, Chuck? Yeah, absolutely. You are going to be joining us for a GIS planning webinar at the end of March. Yep. Can you just tell me a little bit of what we're going to be talking about? I mean, I know, so it's you're not <laughs> kind of some yeah. shameless plugging here, but I think that it's such an important subject. And if you don't mind just uh, giving us an overview, it'd be great. Yeah, so economic developers out there across the country are getting inundated with RFIs all the time, it seems like. And I remember getting those myself. And I was told early on mm -hmm. in my career that if you... If you just fill out the RFIs appropriately, thoroughly, mm -hmm. answer all the questions, you'll be better than 80% of economic developers. Oh my out. goodness, yes. And I have to say, I, I didn't know if that was true at the time. Uh, certainly uh, now, being on this side of it and seeing RFI responses, mm -hmm. um, I can say that that's true. Because, yeah. and this is not to knock anyone, but it's it's to help encourage folks to be a little more vigilant when it comes to answering questions on RFI. So what we're going to do with the webinar is we're going to talk about how to professionally complete RFIs and why that Love matters. Uh, and very simply, it matters because for every question that's on our, on an RFI, you're getting scored. Mm -hmm. And if you leave an answer, you don't want to get zeros on those scores. And if you leave an RFI question and answer blank, you're going to get a zero. You want to get as little zeros as possible. Your answer might get you a zero, but having no answer guarantees a zero. And it's so like SAT prep, but for EDOs, yeah. you yeah. know, like to understand the process. It's so important. And I know the date, you and I will fix the date specifically. You can keep an eye on the GS planning website or the LinkedIn page, and we will announce that. This is a free webinar. We don't charge. We're we just like to provide some of the best minds in the industry and the field to give people practical information they can use. So we're really thrilled for that. And I appreciate the chance to be here today to chat with you. Yeah. Well, I thank you for joining me on the podcast. And, and I do encourage folks to, to keep track of that webinar because it's not just about, you know, lessons learned. It's not just going to show you examples of the good, the bad and the ugly when it comes to RFI answers. But it's also going to give you some tips on how to answer them appropriately when you may not have the best answer but you still want to score points on that RFI. So uh, I hope you're going to join us then. Thank you, Alyssa, for joining me here on the Next Move Group. We are Jobs Podcast, and we will see everyone the next time. Thank you.